The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Listen, I, uh, I, in our city where I come from, Albuquerque, Communist New Mexico, um, we, they have a, a zoo, and it's a really, it's a really, really nice zoo, and, and it's the number one place people visit. Well, a guy who I knew was, the, was hired to raise money, millions and millions and millions of dollars to build new exhibits, and so he wanted to build a penguin exhibit, and, and so he, uh, he came to me, saw me one day, and he said, Pastor, would Legacy want to get involved in, in helping build the uh, penguin exhibit? And so I said, sure. I said, and he, and he goes, well, we want you to donate. And I said, how much money do you want me to donate? And it was a lot. It was like $100,000. And I'm like, that's what I said. Woo. And, um, and I said, you know, so I went back, looked at our finances and that. And I thought, you know, if it's the number one place people go, wouldn't it be great when they're standing looking at a penguin museum, uh, exhibit if, if they saw Legacy Church, that there's a church that believes so much in the community and families that, you know, it's just sowing more seed into people that the church is good. That it's, it needs, it's important. And so I said, yes, we did it over f- uh, quite a few years, and, and so about four years, I think. And so I decided I want to go see our names, so, so I wanted to see how they did it. And there was quite a few people that donated to it because, you know, it cost millions of dollars. And so I was standing there, and I'm looking, and it's a, like a penguin, and our name's on it, Legacy Church. And I'm thinking, this is so cool. Everybody comes here is going to look at that because the way they did it, and they're going to see Legacy Church. And we're just so and see, getting our name into people's minds that God is good. So Anyway, I'm standing there, and the zookeeper comes up to me and said, hey, you're Steve Smotherman. I'm like, yes. You're the pastor of Legacy Church? And I said, yes. And he goes, I heard you can get anybody to do anything. I'm like, okay. So they challenged me. He challenged me. He said, I want you to get these penguins to fly. One guy got it. Okay, thank you, sir. So I said, okay. So I, I, I didn't know what to do. I, you can't say no. And he's like, come on, get them to fly. We need them to fly. So I, I, we go into the penguin exhibit, and I gather all the penguins together, and I said, I said, listen, today you're going to fly if you do two things. Two things you need to do. You need to believe more and flap harder. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to, be, you're going to help the penguins fly. So this side's going to say believe more, and this side's going to say flap harder. So what are we going to say? Believe more. Flap harder. Okay, thank you for your enthusiasm. This side... Uh, yeah, you, you, do you know, penguins, it's tough to get them to fly. Come on. So, so they began to chant. Ain't nobody going to fly with that. But anyway, so, so as they're chanting, the, the, the zookeeper says, well, I, I'm going to prove it. So he grabs the ladder, brings it in the penguin exhibit and says, prove it. And they're yelling, Wait a minute, let's start again. So anyway, one little penguin goes up and gets about on the second run and jumps. And they're saying, and he belly flops, just head bites it right in the ground. And we're like, oh my gosh, I'm like, what are we going to do? And I said, well, they got to they do it louder and they got to do it more. So here we go. Then this one penguin comes out, and he jumps, and he gets all the way to the top of the ladder, and he jumps, and he flies, he's flying, and then all the penguins fly, and it's like, oh my gosh, they're all flying, the zoomies, I can't believe it, they're flying. Someone's saying, is this a true story? I know. 
So I gathered them all together after they were flying. And I told them, y'all just did the impossible. Let me give you this thought. Things are impossible until someone does them. No one can break the mile, the, the four-minute mile. But when someone did it, now everybody's breaking High school kids are breaking it. So it's impossible, they say. Just remember this in your life. We serve the God of the impossible. And things are impossible until you do it, until someone does it. But anyway, so, but I said, you just did the impossible. But if you make this critical mistake, it's all wasted. And then you know what they did? They all made the critical mistake. And if you remind me at the end of this message, I'll tell you what that critical mistake was. Someone said, really? Yeah, you're going to think about it all the time. But if you don't remind me, I won't tell you. So anyway, remind me and I'll tell you. Listen, I'm going to teach a message that I simply titled The Art of Surrender. It's almost a, a life uh, journey. I, I put this together just thinking about how God dealt with me. And you know what's, what, what's, it, what's tough for Christians is we want to be believers. We want to go to heaven. Does everybody want to go to heaven in here? And so, so we, we want to go to heaven, but we don't like the process of growth. You know, how many of y'all exercise in here? How many of y'all think about exercising? How many of y'all look forward to someday exercising? Come on. So anyway, uh, so, so, but, but sometimes we don't like spiritual exercise. We don't like to be spiritually exercised. We don't, and, and you can't grow. You can't develop muscles. You can't get tone. You can't get in shape unless you're willing to go through a little pain. And, and what happens to a lot of believers because of just the things we don't know we just don't know, is that they think when they come to God that everything's going to be easy. And what I learned that when I came to God, everything got harder. It wasn't easier. It's never been easy. My walk with Christ hasn't been an easy walk. It's always been a struggle and a fight because I come from such a heathen, and then I have to change everything. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, i got to change my thinking. I mean, when they told me I had to change my language, you can't talk like that anymore, I'm like, well, that's most of my vocabulary. I mean, I spoke in adjectives all the time descriptive ones and and i'm like so 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 that's a sin yes you can't you can't you know i quit dating girls for years because it's like you know that's a sin and i i'm like wow god made them why why but you know you women are powerful you know that you you have powers you have superpowers so anyway and and so i i i I, it just changed it and it became hard i'm like everything's difficult And then when you walk with Christ, he wants you to learn. He wants you to grow. So you're going to go through some tough times at at times, not because God made them, but because that's your life. And how you go through them, and and if you get through them, you'll get stronger. You'll get, get, your faith will grow. You'll learn to trust God more. That, no, I, I went through the worst of pain, but man, I trusted God and I'm okay. I say this a lot, that Christians are like cats, and I've never done this, for the record. I don't want anybody to say, oh, he hates animals. I've never done this. But when you throw a cat, they say it always lands on its And just like when we get thrown in life as believers, we always land on our feet because we serve a God that's more than enough. And so when you're going through exercise, like I, I work out quite a bit, and I, I've been hurt, my shoulder, my arms, and, and my trainer's so funny, he goes, oh, we're going to still work out. We're just going to work around that injury so we don't hurt it again. I'm like, but I'm hurting anyway. Yeah, but that's okay. You're not going to stop. And sometimes in life, we want to blame God and say, God, if you love me, I would never go through this. And folks, it's a wrong mentality because, because we go through life, and sometimes life just happens. It's not God the author of it, but we have to learn to trust God and believe God through whatever we face. No matter the pain, the hurt, the disappointment, the discouragement, people do things to us. We've got to, learn to, we got to, we got to practice our faith to the point that we exercise enough that it's there when we need it. We have the strength when we need it. 
We just have the strength. And, and some people don't like the process. And one of the processes we all have to go through, you can't, you can't avoid it, is the process of surrendering your life. It's an act, but it's a process. 1 Samuel 12, 24 says, But be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. Isn't it funny that God tells us to think on this, think on that, meditate on this, transform your mind? You know why? Because the way our brains are designed or the way it works is that we don't have to be told to think on negative things. We just do that naturally. You want to find a fault? Just find someone that thinks they're the, you know, have a, a gift of being critical. That's their giftings. And they don't, they, you don't have to be around them two seconds and they'll pick out everything that's wrong but nothing that's right. And you know, if you have a critical spirit, it's, it's an ugly spirit. And one time I was watching Christian television at my house and, and I don't do that very often. I really don't. And, and I'm watching it and I'm yelling at the TV. Like, this is wrong. This is wrong teaching. God, why are you letting them do this? This is just bad. And my wife comes out and says, who are you talking to? I said, Them. And she's like, Steve, you're so stupid, right? So anyway, but I'm yelling at the TV, and I'll never forget. I'm like, God, I don't know why this is allowed. I don't know why you allow this. And this is the thought that came to my mind, and this is what I want to help people with. The thought that came to my mind was, Steve, if you can't watch without being critical, just quit watching it. He's not dealing with them. He's dealing with you. We, got, we want God to deal with everybody else, and you know what he's going to say? Uh-uh, I'm going to deal with you. Uh, uh, that's between me and them, me and him, me and them, but not between you, me and them. And so God deals with us. So instead, I may have been perfectly right with what they were teaching, but that's not the thought that came. So, you know, to this day, if I ever watch Christian television, if I ever do, and in, in, in our church, it's almost like a confession, like I need some absolution, you know, we walk around and do this every now and then because we live in a heavy Catholicism. We say, just in case, just in case, that's right. <laughs> Think I'm kidding. But anyway, so, so what, I, what I learned was that God says, don't practice being critical. Steve, it's hurting you. It's not hurting them. Regardless of what they're doing, that's not, my, that's not your business. And so even to this day, if I turn on Christian television and I start watching, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, okay, I got to stop. Because you practice that, and, you, and that becomes who you are. So if you practice God's word, you become more like that. And so we have to concentrate on thinking the good things God's done because we we don't even have to work at thinking what's going wrong so that's why he says think of the wonderful things he's done for you and I've heard people say he's never done anything for me I say are you saved well yeah I'm born again well he did he did the greatest miracle if he did nothing else for you thank God you're going to thank him one day when you're up in heaven and not hell so so we have to think so John 12 26 says anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Anyone. Matthew 23, 11 and 12, the greatest among you must be servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. When you surrender your will to God, which we're supposed to do when we become Christians, and again, remember I said it's an act, but it's a process. Because I don't know about you, but I have a strong will. How many of y'all have a strong will? And there's just some things I don't want to do. I'll tell God, I don't want to do that. I mean, how many of you don't do that? I mean, is I the only one? I mean, help a brother out. I'm, I mean, I do live in communist New Mexico, man. You should feel bad for me, at least for a moment. You think I'm, I'm not playing. It's really that bad. But, but you know what? So, so we end up fighting. That's the fight. It's our will versus God's will. Are we self-willed or are we God-willed? 
So your pastor gets up here and talks about a building project, and some people say, well, you know, I, 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 I can't, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. Why we need to build a building? We got one here because this one is, is temporary. This, was, this is the growth process. You know, pastor gets up here and says, hey, you need to serve. Go to the next step class and get involved. And you're like, why do they keep telling me to get involved? It's not, it's not because they get blessed. It's because you get blessed. And then you get to bless others because we're so self-focused that we're not focused on others. And I tell people all the time, people go through hardships and they say, Pastor, we're going to take a break from serving in the church. And I'm like, why? Well, we just need to get some things together. And I said, are you going to quit your job? No. I said, are you going to quit going out to eat? No. Are you going to quit going to move? No. We just need to quit the church. And the worst thing you can do is quit the church. And I'm not talking about just staying away. I'm just talking about not serving. In fact, the more, you're, more issues you're having, the more you should serve. Well, Pastor, my wife and I need to get our life in order. We, we're, our marriage is in trouble. So we're going to step away from serving in the church. Worst decision ever. Because why would God have you serving? You're having troubles in marriage and then take you away. Because the only way we can really help other people and get other focus is to do something for somebody else. In fact, if you're walking, if you have a trouble with depression in here, help somebody else. It's proven that it will help you think different. And then when you help somebody, it gives you almost an adrenaline rush like, man, I really helped them. Or, and how do you know who you're greeting on the way in? People come from all kinds of places. And, you know, as much as, as much as people know each other, we still don't know each other. Let me, let me put it this way. My wife will tell me sometimes, what are you thinking? And I say, well, if I told you what I was thinking, they'd no longer be thoughts. <laughs> and how many are grateful that your own spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your kids, your mom and dad don't know all the thoughts you've had? Come on. <laughs> come on. We've all had thoughts. Like, if my wife said, what do you, what do you think? And like, honey, I don't want to tell you. You ain't going to like it. It's not going to happen. And so, so, so we, we get into a place where, where we, we, we don't really, we, 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 we get to a place where we don't really understand how great God is and how much he loves us. And just because you have thoughts doesn't make them sin. You know, I've had the worst thoughts in my life sitting in church. The worst thought, like the most gruesome, worst thoughts sitting in the church. And when I first got saved, they would be terrible thoughts like, kill the pastor. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, I've never thought about killing anybody in my life, but I'm sitting in church. And, and it's like, and then, I, then the pastor looks at you. Like he's preaching, he looks at you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, God, he knows, he knows. <laughs> But I used to think just having a thought was sin. Can I tell you something? You can't stop all the thoughts coming in your brain, but you sure can control what happens to them. And if we would ever do that and surrender our own minds to God, we'd be much more peaceful people. But it's a choice. Serving or service keeps us aware of others' needs, and it stops us from focusing on ourselves. Let me give you this thought, because I'm, I'm changing this whole thing up right now as we go. Let me give you this thought. Feelings are not facts. And so oftentimes, we live in a society where feelings mean everything. God never told me one time to live by your feelings, Steve. Because if I lived by my feelings, I would have been gone a long time ago. I would have quit serving God a long time ago. A long time ago. But people, that's what we, we hear all the time. If you feel this way, you must be that way. If you have this thought, this is, must be what you are. And it's a total lie. Thoughts come, and God says, I give you authority over your mind. You, you deal with those thoughts. If they're not godly, get rid of them. And here's some of the thoughts, God, that, that we get a lot of times. You're no good. You'll never make it. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. 
You're not big enough. You're not skinny enough. Or maybe you're too skinny. I mean, that's how the enemy works our brains. And you know what? If it, the longer we listen to those thoughts, the more we'll believe them. And let me tell you about thoughts. When you start believing them, that's how they start affecting your life. So some of you were raised where you were told you're no good, you'll never amount to anything, you're not smart, you're dumb, why you act this way. And words are powerful. But they're not powerful until we start believing them. And when you start believing them, you start acting that way. That's why you look at people like, why are they doing drugs? Why are they addicted? Why are they, they're, they're just killing their bodies, their minds. And they keep doing it because they believe thoughts that are wrong, that aren't of God. And so God gives us different thoughts. And if we ever start believing God's thoughts, man, we'd be a whole lot better off in life. We'd be so much farther along. I mean, we'd just be better people. Not just better people, just more peaceful. Because so many of us are looking for happiness. And you come to church, I just want to be happy, but God never promised you happiness. You can't find one scripture where God says, come to church, I want to make you happy. <laughs> happy, happy, happy. But you can find scriptures. He said, if you serve me, you'll be fulfilled. Yeah. But folks, a walk with God, if we're looking for the easy way out, it's not the easy way. That's why the Bible says, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many thereof find it. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and very few find it. Because people don't want to follow God. You know when Jesus says, um, pick up your cross and follow me? I don't know if you know what that means, but what it means is when, when someone was carrying a cross in that day, it was the worst kind of death you could have. When they were carrying a cross, here's what you would say, dead man walking. There's no reprieve. There's no parole. He's going to die. So when Jesus was telling them you've got to carry a cross, everybody knew what that meant. When you saw a person carrying the cross, they were dead. They were going to be hung on that cross, crucified, in a most horrific kind of death they could have. And there was no reprieve. There was no way out. You understand? There was, there was nothing they could do. They were going to the place to be crucified on that cross. So what Jesus was telling people, that's why you got to follow me. you got to follow me like a dead man walking with that cross. There's no other way. No looking back because you can't go. Not looking to the left or right. You just keep walking that path. He said, that's how you have to follow me. And very few people want to do that. You know why? Because we haven't learned just to surrender our will and realize we're going to make mistakes. God says in his word that he's, when they describe him, he's long-suffering. That's different than patient. I've looked this up a bunch of times, and they try to make it the same word, but really long-suffering is, is who God is. God is more than just patient. You know how you can be patient with someone for a while. Come on. And then after a while, you say, my patience is wearing out. But long-suffering never wears out. And when God's long-suffering, he what he's saying is, I'm not mad at you. I'm not disappointing you. I'm not angry with you. Because that's how we talk. I know God's mad at me. God's, if he was mad at us, then, then he wouldn't send Jesus. He couldn't be long-suffering and mad at the same time. And so long-suffering is that God, no matter what you do, he's still for you to keep doing right. So he's long-suffering. He knew we were all going to make mistakes. You saw it when he dealt with Peter. How many of y'all know Peter denied Jesus three times? And then Jesus went back to him. You know, Jesus never said, I knew you were going to do it. I told you. I told you you were going to deny me. I can't believe you, dirty dog. You, you denied me. He never even brought it up. In the story about Peter, he sees Peter, and he just, he just hangs out with Peter. And then he finally says, Peter, do you love me? He goes, yeah, I love you. Then he asks him again, do you love me? He goes, you know I love you. And he asks him a third time, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. 
Jesus was just confirming in Peter that it was okay. He told him what was going to happen so he could restore him at the end, but he never brought it back up. You know, God never really brings up your past. It's the enemy that does that. God just wants to deal with you going forward. And the way that that happens is when we learn to surrender our will. You know, years ago, when I, before I got saved, I, I, I didn't want to get married. I said, you know, I'm not going to get married. I used to tell my friends and my family, I'm never going to be married because I knew I'd be a sorry husband. I just wouldn't be a good guy. I just, and, and, and it wasn't that I was a mean person. I just knew me, and I thought, why, why get involved with all that mess? But then something happened. When I got saved, then I thought, you know what? I need to get married. Things changed. Come on. And so, so then, you know, so I'm, I, I'm like, I need to get married. That's that big thing to do. I went to Bible school, got out of Bible school, um, um, and then I, 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 all my friends were getting married. And then I started getting an attitude with God, like, God, why can't I get married? Am I the ugliest guy? I mean, what's wrong with me? Do I smell? I wear cologne? You know, is it too much or whatever it is? And so, but, you know, can I say this? When God closes the door, you can't open it. And when he closes the door, and when he opens the door, you can't close it. But here's what's happened to believers today in America. We think God always says yes. So you didn't get that job you wanted? If you walk in with God and believe he directs your steps, here's my prayer every morning when I get up. You want to hear it? Here's my prayer. I say, good morning, Father, I love you. Good morning, Jesus, I love you. Good morning, Holy Spirit, I love you. And Father, your word says that if I acknowledge you in all my ways, you lean direct my paths and crown my efforts with success. I love it from the New Living, the Living Bible. And so I get up every morning and say, God, I love you. And I thank you that I acknowledge you in my life today. I thank you for leading directing my paths and crowning my efforts with success. How many of y'all really believe that God leading directs your paths? So if you didn't get that job you wanted, maybe he closed the door. Oh, no, he didn't. God, if you love me, you would have got that job. How do you know that job was going to be a blessing to you? You might have got that job, take, quit your job, and not been there but two minutes because you wouldn't be able to hack it, or they may not like something you did. I mean, if we truly believe God leads us, and then something doesn't happen the way we want it, why are we mad? Because yeah. if he closes the door, nothing you can do can open it. And that's how we think. We think we should get, get everything we want. But if it's, it's not my will, it's his will. So I don't get married. Everybody's getting married. I'm mad. I'm mad for years. Like, why can't I meet somebody? What's wrong with me? I, I go through all that stuff. And then one day I decided to think, well, if God doesn't want me to get married, then I won't get married. Yeah. I used to say when I was unsaved, I'm never getting married. Maybe, maybe he listened. <laughs> Seriously. So one day I just said, God, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of being angry. Is anybody tired of being mad in here? Yes. How about discouraged? How about disappointed? Listen, we're all going to face that, but we don't have to stay there. The, what happens to people is when they live in that. So I said, God, if you want me to be single the rest of my life, I'll do the best. This is my I'll do the best. I said, I'll be perfect. I'll do the best at living for you, honoring you. And you know what's amazing thing? Right after that, I met my wife. She was so blessed that day. And... Um, <laughs> And we've been married 36 years. I got eight grandkids. Who would have thunk, you know? And, and so what was amazing to me was as soon as I submitted my will to his, he opened the door. But here's what happens to us. We seek things, and God wants us to seek him. And then those things, they may be important to us, but they won't be the most important. So it's the same way. I get out of Bible school. No one wants me. No jobs. No nothing. I go to work at UPS. I, what, what can Brown do for you? I was a UPS package car driver in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. For 10 and a half years. And, 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 and I thought to myself, and I, I was mad after the first six months. 
And I said, God, I wasted my time going to Bible school. I should have just stayed in college, got my business degree that I was getting, and I should have just, I should have just went to work. I, at least I would have had something. Now I got a Bible degree. What's the good going to do me at UPS? So I was there, and I had a bad attitude, and I was discouraged. In fact, I hated the job so much, when I would come home from work, my wife couldn't even ask me about my day. I said, I'm done with UPS today. I'm not talking about it. I mean, serious. if you were my wife, serious, she'd say, it was that bad. And I was mad all the time. I was discouraged all the time. I didn't understand. After nine and a half years of being a knucklehead, I finally was out of my truck because it's kind of alone. I drove 100 miles a day. So I was by myself. I was out in the country mooing at the cows. <laughs> I used to be able to do it pretty good too. But anyway, so, so, so one day I just decided, you know, God, it's not about my will anyway because the reason we stay that way, discouraged, disappointed, upset all the time, is because we're fighting for our will. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't have some things for you. But if you're all frustrated and angry about it, it means you're just fighting something. And so I just prayed, God, you know what? If you want me to be the UPS for the rest of my life, it's not my will. I gave my will to you. You said if I give my life, I'll, I'll find it. But if I, I keep my life, I'll lose it. And some of us are losing our life day to day. It's not talking about death. It's talking about how you live life, the things that happen and go on. So I just said, if this is what you have for me, this is what I'll do. And the amazing thing happened. In about a year from then, God opened the door for me to be a pastor. Nine and a half years, I'm thinking, if I'd have got my attitude better, maybe it'd have been one. Maybe two. And sometimes we're stuck where we're at. It's not because God wants us there. It's because he can't move you. Because here's what you need to understand, all of us. And I've learned this. You take you wherever you go. See, we have this deceptive thought that if circumstances change, I'd be different. And it's a lie. It's just not true. So I used to say, God, if you'll just let me pastor, do what I want to do, I'll be a different guy. But, you know, you take you with you. You know, people say, think it's greener on the other side of the fence. The problem with that green grass that you see is when you get on it, it's still the same. Because you can't, you can't leave you someplace because your circumstances change. If you're a complainer with a little, you'll be a complainer with a lot. If you're a whiner at this job, you'll be a whiner at that job. If you walk in discouragement and stuff in this relationship, you'll walk in the same in that relationship until you change. And the only way we can change is to submit our will to God's will, learn the word, get, renew our minds to start thinking differently. And so, so what happened was he gave me a church, and then I went to Roswell, America. It's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. It's the alien capital of the world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like green men everywhere. Like, it's like the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But anyway, so I go there, and guess what? I got what I wanted. God, if you'll just get me to be a pastor, I'll be different. And you know what? I was no different. After a little bit being there, I complained and whined. And my, my, I'm going to tell you, my wife never complained. She used to tell me all the time, Steve. That's where God has us. And I knew it was where God has us, but I didn't like it because it wasn't fitting what I wanted. You know what? It was difficult. It was hard. It was rough. And then one day I said, you know, God, if this is what you have for me, you'd think I'd learn. Then I'll build the greatest church I can here in Roswell, America. Then you know what happened? It's a miracle. Then he opened the door. Now I'm in Albuquerque. I'm going to tell you something. Doors are closed not because God wants them to. It's because we're not, we, we haven't exercised enough to get through it. And God's just standing there saying, listen, you either submit your will to mine or you keep it. You keep your own will. And there'll just be this tug of war on the inside of you all the time. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's worth it.
It's the thing we should do. Because the one thing I've learned in the scriptures is that God dealt with complaining as quick as he dealt with anything. Numbers 14, 27 says it all to me. I just, I just, I, I think about this scripture a lot because I don't want to be the complainer. And now I have a better attitude. I've been in Albuquerque almost 20 years and I don't go through the same thing. I get a little down every now and then, a little discouraged every now and then, but it doesn't last long. And I don't blame God any longer. I don't tell him, God, if you'll just give me more, I'll be happier. Because, folks, more doesn't make you happier. More doesn't make you more fulfilled. It just makes you more of who you are. So if you're a miserable old dog here, you're going to be a miserable old dog here. If you're, if you're, if you're critical here, you're going to be critical there. I've had people tell me this all the time because the lottery is a big deal in New Mexico. And, and they, they talk about it all the time. And, and they'd say, Pastor, Pastor, I, I'm playing the lottery. I just want you to know, like, like okay. And they said, man, if I, if I win it, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to give the church 10%. If I win 10 million, I'm going to give the church a million dollars. I just want you to know. And I'm looking at them like, that sounds so good, right? Like, oh. So I, go, I, I know who they are, or I find out their name. I go look them up. Like, I go to our counting and look them up. And they haven't given a penny. But they think if they had more, they'd give more. Let me say something. If you can't give a penny out of a dime or a, a dollar off $10, a dime out of a dollar, how are you going to give a million out of $10 million? See, we deceive ourselves to think if I had more, I'd do more. And God's always saying the reason you don't have more is because you're not doing what I ask. So we'll submit our lives to God. I can talk to people about everything. Their marriage is the most intimate thing. In fact, they're telling me things I don't want to know because I'm like, why do I? every time I see it, it's going to be like, I don't want to know that. Stop. I've been in marriage cases where I told people, time out. Time out. Time out. I'm done. I don't need to know anymore. You guys have problems. That's And they think, if I had all this, I'd give them, uh-uh, you can't do it. It doesn't work like that. They're deceived. They think if they had more, it'd be easier to give a million dollars. Listen, if you can't give a dime, a dollar, ten dollars, how are you going to give a million? See, we, we think, think different. We, we, just, we, just, we just process, and we think the circumstances will change who we are. But the truth is, if you're a good person, you're always a good person. You want to have a good marriage? Just be good people. You want to have good relationships with others? Be nice. If you, want to, if you really want to affect people, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. So the next time your husband is messing with you and making you mad and you go off the fit or the other way around, turn around and do something nice. When they're angry, just look around and say, you know, I love you. They'll be freaking out like, what? Because there's no fight. We, we, we have so much ammunition with the word if we just practice it. Because I want to lay into people sometimes like, you, not, what do you think you're doing? And da, 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 da. But man, I don't get anywhere with that. They just fight back. But a soft answer turns away wrath. Hey, man. You know, like I had a staff person do something a while back, and I just walked up to him and I said, you know, we're probably not going to do that thing again anymore, are we? And he looked at me and said, Pastor, we won't ever do that again. I said, thank you very much. And I walked away. I don't have, it doesn't have to be all rough and rugged. My wife and I, we banter at each other all the time. We go at each other sometimes. Like, she, because, you know, people ask me how she's doing, and I always say, if she listens to me, she's doing well. <laughs> and so she never does well. She never listens to me. But we kind of banter. Do you know what I'm talking about? Just kind of bite at each other. And, and, you know, we don't even come back and apologize. We can be biting at each other, and in two minutes, they'd be laughing about something. And people that get all caught up, he didn't apologize to me. She didn't apologize to me. Well, and, then, and then if you apologize, it's not sincere enough. 
Honey, I'm really sorry I did that. You're not sincere. Like, you're the sincere police. And people apologize differently. I got guys that we deal with stuff. We might get mad at each other. And then we're like, are we okay? You okay? We okay? Yeah, we okay? Okay, good. That's the apology. But if I'm apologizing, why can't you just take it for what it is? Well, you didn't mean it. Okay. What's the point of apologizing if you know all the answers? Why can't you just accept it? He apologized. She apologized. Let's move on. You'll know if it's sincere or not by how, if they keep doing whatever they kept, whatever they did. If they keep doing it, you'll be like, ha, 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 that wasn't very sincere. Or maybe they got a problem that you need to work on. Maybe they need help. We've got to learn that God doesn't really want us to be complaining. Listen to this, uh, and I close. How long must I put up with you with this wicked community and complaints about me? Yes, I've heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You accuse me of being the devil. You accuse me of stealing your kids. You accuse me of taking you to your death. Well, now that's what's going to happen. See, we accuse God of being our enemy. God, if you love me, this would never happen. God, if you love me, this would never happen to me as a kid. God, if you love me, you would, you would open that door. God, if you love me, you'd give me that job. God, if you love me, you'd give me that husband or that wife. But what if you're playing out of your league? Some say, what does that mean? You know, some guys have aspirations for girls, and I look at them, and I'm like, dude, she's in the majors, and you're still in peewee league. There ain't no way you're getting that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. You got to play in your own league. Then they're getting disappointed, like, well, she didn't love me. Dude, it was never going to do that. She didn't even know you exist. Come on, brother. Get, get a life. Go play. There's your league over there. Go, go, go over there. But we accuse God of being our enemy. And then we want him to help us. I thought he was our friend. But we make him out like the enemy. God, if you love me, this would happen. God, if you love me, why? I mean, it'd be like Adam. It's the woman you gave me. Yeah, you were happy with her until you messed up. Or vice versa. What I'm saying is, guys, here's the bottom line. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing bottom line submit your will to God and find out that you live a more fulfilled satisfied life as a believer you won't just be doing you won't just be having church you'll be doing church and that's what your pastor's leading you to do let's be the church let's just don't have a service let's be the church let's go help people let's be examples the best way we can knowing we're going to make mistakes that's why this is my one of my favorite scriptures in all the bible the Bible talks about in 1 John 1, 9, that if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Here's the goodness of God. If I just confess the sins I know, he says, I'll clean you up from everything that you don't even know you do. Isn't that good? That's why you don't have to go back in time like, okay, I got to repent for this, 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 and this. It's like, God, here's the thing I'm doing. Please forgive me. And he said, then I'll clean you up for everything you don't even know you do. I mean, that's a good God trying to help us. Remember, he's your friend. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.